Actually, I changed my mind. I'm not going to go to Matthew. We're going to go to James. No pun intended. Uh, James. We're going to go to uh, James chapter 2. Actually, that's where I want to start here. Now, if you haven't been with us the last two weeks, we've been talking about works. Now, I have to stress this because I never want to come across the wrong way. Because we laid the foundation two weeks ago. These are not works that save you. These are not works that get you saved. These are not works that keep you saved. And these are not works to make you feel better about being saved, so therefore you can rub it in everybody's face. No, that's not the type of works we're talking about. The works that we're talking about is the biblical definition of what works are. The problem is when you mention works around people, a lot of times people take it the wrong way and they start thinking that works that will save you, works that get you saved. No. Look here at these verses that we've been talking about. First one is not up here yet because we'll just mention it. It's Ephesians 2.89. That was our foundational verse two weeks ago. For by grace we've been saved through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. So we covered that extensively. Saved by grace through faith, not by works. But Ephesians 2.10, one verse later, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Why? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. We are created to do works. That's what we're created to do. Titus 3.8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These are good and profitable men. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. The job of the pastor is to encourage you guys, to insist upon, to say, guys, go out there, keep doing things for the Lord. And it takes us to Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. I want to stir you guys up. I want you guys to leave and say, I'm motivated. I want to go do something. I want to go deeper in my walk and relationship with Christ. I want to turn daily interactions into divine interactions. I want to turn regular conversation to something godly. I want to be available for that at the world as something in store. And I just want to represent Christ in all that we do and all that we say. And turn every single opportunity we have into something bigger, to something deeper. Because that's what I'm here to do, Lord. Not for me, not to elevate me, not to get me saved, but because I am saved, I want to change the way I look at life. Once again, changing the daily into the divine. So we've established this for the last couple weeks, but it bears repeating. Now, we're going to take you to another level here tonight. If you weren't with us last week, we're going to talk about how we're going to start talking about specific things. Specific things that you can do. Because so often when we talk about works, we just talk in generalities. Go love your neighbor. That's what we talked about last week. Jesus summed up the entire law in those two verses. 613 different commandments summed up into what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus said that's what you need to do. And we talked about last week how you cannot go out there and love the Lord and serve the Lord unless you're willing to truly put him first. And we asked you last week to stop and say, am I truly loving the Lord with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength? Am I really stopping and putting him first and how I think and how I act, how I process information? I no longer let the calendar control my life. I let Christ control my life. I no longer allow the expectations of the world to control what I do, but I want to be a God-pleaser because I'm loving the Lord with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And when I get that down, I can now love my neighbor as myself. With that being understood, we started getting to specifics. Can we go to the next slide here, Dustin? And this is what we covered last week, specifically. Hebrews 13 and James 1. Hebrews 13, we talk about strangers and prisoners. 
No, not talking about generalities, but specific things God has asked you to do. He's asked you in Hebrews 13 to minister to strangers. Strangers. He asked you in Hebrews 13 to have a heart for those that are in prison. He asked you in James 1 specifically widows and orphans. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody here tonight is going to go sign up for a prison ministry. It doesn't mean that everybody here tonight is going to go adopt an orphan. That's not what we're saying. But God has called you specifically to keep in mind those different ministry opportunities and to be available and to be willing. You may not be called to go adopt an orphan. You may not be called to go visit the prisons, but you're called to support those ministries. You're called to help those ministries, and you're called to be willing when the Lord leads and if the Lord leads. Because these are the specific things he's talking about. So building on this, if you weren't with us last week, I encourage you to get that what other specific things has he talked about? Well, I'm going to do another building verse here. James 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brother? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Look at verse 18. This is what we're talking about. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. See how intertwined they are. So intertwined. My faith dictates my life, and I will repeat this again. It is no longer about me. It's no longer about my needs, my wants, my time, my free time. No, it's about you, Lord, and everything I do and everything I say. So my faith now dictates my works. Let me repeat. These are not works to save you. They're not works to keep you saved. And these are not works to show off to everybody. These are Jesus Christ has done so much in my life. I no longer want anything to control me except my passion for the Lord and leading and guiding me in what I do. Verse 19, you believe there is one God, you do well, even the demons believe in tremble. But do you not know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works and he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? That word perfect there is very interesting. It really means complete. You want to see a mature man or woman in the Lord? They have an internal faith where they're going deeper in Jesus Christ, but they also have an external action that is motivated and fueled by that internal faith. If you're just going out to do works to do works, you'll look really good. But also, first off, you're going to get burned out because you can't fake it for that long. But you'll look really good. People will pat you on the back. People will say, I like you. I like what you do. But that fire will not keep you going. There has to be an internal faith working together with external works. When you put that together, you're complete, mature in Christ. So if you just sit there and say, I have an eternal faith and I love Jesus, but you're not doing anything about it, well then how can we say you're complete or mature in Christ? If you have the external works without the internal fuel to guide you, how can we say you're mature or complete in Christ? You need both of them working together. That's what we're talking about. Verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot, also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. 
They are totally combined. The problem is if we don't do the foundation from two weeks ago, if we don't do the adding to that foundation last week, you read that passage, and that passage just comes across as, well, I guess I just need to go do a lot of stuff. Now, that's not what we're talking about. Don't be the person that's just spinning their wheels to spin their wheels. I know believers are like that. Yes, they're busy. They're crazy busy. But they think that busyness somehow equates some deep walk with Jesus Christ. No, sometimes busyness is just busyness. But it's good stuff. It is very good stuff. But unless that busyness is fueled by the eternal fire of Jesus Christ in you, guiding you, and you're just spinning your wheels. Yes, you may be accomplishing some stuff. Yes, you may be making a difference. That's not what God intended. He wants this to work together. To work together. So what do we go back to? Let's just read verse 14 one more time. What does it profit, my brother, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? And faith save him. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to him, Depart in peace, be warm and filled. But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? But it's also faith by itself it does not have works as dead. That's what we're building on now with that. So last week we talked specifically about widows and orphans. Then we also talked about strangers and prisoners. So let's talk tonight about some other specific things where God has called you specifically to minister. First one tonight. Those that are sick. Specifically. You don't have to turn there, but it's in Matthew 25. Jesus talks about visiting the sick. Paul's always talking about those that are sick. If you read the end of his epistles, he's talking about those that are sick and praying for them and, hey, try this, try that. You know what it's like to feel sick. You know what it's like to lay on the hospital bed. You know what it's like to feel awful. It's an awful thing. When you are feeling that awful, you forget what it feels like to feel good. And when you are feeling that awful physically, it affects you emotionally, it affects you spiritually. So what happens is physically you start feeling bad, and next thing you know, emotionally it starts going into depression and discouragement. And next thing you know, spiritually, you just don't care anymore. Those are sick. Why don't we like to go visit the sick people? Because we don't want to be around it. It's discouraging. It's depressing. What happens if I get something? I do a lot of hospital visits. And it's not uncommon anymore when I go to a hospital visit that make us gown up completely. Because there's so much infection out there and so much type of stuff. So you get ready to go in and right on the room it has contact guidelines. And so next thing you know, you're putting on the gloves, you're putting on the mask, you're putting on everything. And you go in. But let's just go in and not touch them, right? Aren't we supposed to kind of go lay hands on the sick? Aren't we supposed to do those things? Hospitals are a long ways to get to. They're difficult to get around. I have a long job. I have a lot of hours I have to do. And I don't want to be around sick people. But you know what? That's some of the greatest ministry I've ever seen. Is when you're around those people. Because when they're laying there flat on their back and they're feeling awful, boy, oh boy, they want to just hear encouragement. You can get the Bible and you can pray with them, you can talk to them. And so it's sometimes it's the hospital visits of where you go and minister to those people. Now, generally when I mention hospital visits, I usually have somebody comes up and says, I can do anything but hospitals. You know what the Lord will probably do, just to be honest with you? He'll probably call you to the hospital. That's what the Lord likes to do. To teach you, to train you to walk in faith. Okay, it's not just about the hospital visits, though. There's more to that. It's also, how about sending them cards? 
How about praying for them and encouraging them? How about before they have a surgery, you go up and you pray with them the Sunday before or something like that? How about it's a phone call to text? How about if it's a meal to follow up with them? To say, hey, can I just bring over and drop something off? There's so much that you can do. We have a food ministry out here you can get involved in. Do we have a card ministry? You can let people know, send cards. You can go do the visits. You can pray with them. You can also go do nursing home visits. We have three different groups of people that go over to Oak Grove on Sunday mornings. And they go over and they minister to the people at Oak Grove, the nursing home in Dashville. We try to send people over to the whole big nursing home. Listen, why do we like to go to the nursing homes? There's a lot of time that reminds us what the future can be like. That's also where ministry's at. And that's where we go. It's difficult sometimes. But Jesus said, that's where we're also specifically called to go. Now, as I like to mention, not everyone may be called to a hospital visit ministry. Not everyone may be called to a nursing home ministry. And right now, some of you are going, oh, good. <laughs> but we're all called to minister to the sick. Sometimes that sick person is somebody you've never met, but you're just going to go love them. Sometimes that sick person is somebody in your own household. Last summer, I was just doing some ministry, and I realized that we didn't have anybody in the nursing home. It was very rare that we didn't have anybody in the nursing home. And so I kind of felt led to go in. So I just went into the desk, and I just said, I said, who are you here to see? And I said, I'm actually not here to see anybody specifically. I said, is there anybody here that does not get a visit? Is there anybody here that no one goes up to visits? So they gave me some names, so I went and visited with them. Now, I don't say that to elevate me. Please don't take it away. I try to give you practical examples of just, why not, Lord? Why not go visit the sick like you said? Why not do that? When I'm walking through a hospital visit, and if I see somebody that's really struggling, I'll, I'll sometimes stop and say, can I pray for you? Or what can we do? How can we help? I tell you, there's a lot of ministry opportunities there. I'm so thankful for the ladies that do the meals. I'm so thankful for the people that go to the nursing homes. I'm so thankful for all this type of stuff. Maybe God's calling you into that ministry. If he is, just prayerfully consider that. That's one of the specific things that the Lord has possibly called you into. Now let's go to the next one. And the next one is the one that you're going to have probably the most problem with. Can you put the slides up, Dustin? The poor. It's amazing how as a Christian society, how much we can start to despise the poor, isn't it? And some of you may be thinking, well, the reason they're poor is because if they made better life choices, they wouldn't be poor. Some of you may be thinking, no, they're poor because of what they've done. And it's interesting, if you want to do a study, I encourage you to do this. The word poor is mentioned the most times in the book of Proverbs. It's actually mentioned 35 times in the book of Proverbs. So what I did is I read every passage in the book of Proverbs that has the word poor in it. And I made a little, little tally sheet of the verses where God said to minister to the poor, and the verses where God said it's the poor's own fault for what they're getting into. And I encourage you to do that if you want to do that sometime. You'll be amazed by what the Lord says. Because the Lord does say that sometimes people are poor because they chose to make really bad life choices. Due to being lazy, due to many different circumstances. That's an honest and biblical truth. Paul summed it up in the New Testament by saying, if you don't work, you don't eat. So that's the one side. Some of you are going, amen, that's a lesson I can agree with. You know what? But the pendulum also swings the other way. Hebrews 13, verse 16. Do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Share. 
Sure, that's a word I should be talking to my four-year-old about, right? Why is it that in our 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, we still need to be reminded to share? God's pleased with that. Isn't my whole goal in life is to make God happy? If my whole goal in life is to make God pleased, then he's saying right here, share, do good. Okay, I like that. How about the next one, 1 John? Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So now we can start analyzing this. Well, first thing I see is sort of the world's goods. Listen, I don't have a lot. So since I don't have a lot, God must be calling those other people who have a lot. So I've been out here as a pastor for 17 years. I've been to lots of homes, lots of home visits, etc. Guess what? We all have a lot. We really do. And we see his brother in need. Now everybody has a different definition of need. When I take my kids to Walmart and we walk down the toy aisle, there's a lot of need that comes out of my kids' mouth. Lots of needs. So we try to ingrain to them the difference between wants and needs. I can tell you lots of stories of people contacting me over the years, explaining to me their needs. And then we have to filter through, is that really a need? You know, Paul writes that we're supposed to meet urgent needs. So what is the definition of a need? Each situation is unique. It really is. And you have to be open and willing to the Spirit at that exact time to say, Lord, is that a need that I need to fill? You have to be. And you have to be willing and ready. See, this is where I'm saying, you have to change the way your mind works every moment of the day. Because when you leave the house, and I shouldn't even say when you leave the house, because even when you're at home, you're still meeting urgent needs. But when you go into town, you need to be prayed up and ready to go because you're going to run into people that are going to tell you they need something. What are you going to do when you see that? What are you going to do at Walmart when you pull in and there's the guy standing right there holding the sign? What are you going to do? Are you going to hope that you don't get the red light so it's awkward? Are you going to not make eye contact? Are you going to read the sign? Or are you going to stop and say, this is an opportunity, and I, Lord, I want to take this opportunity. Well, I know why he's standing there. He's standing there because he's legacy. I don't understand. He's standing because he's just going to get money. He's going to take that money to go buy drugs or alcohol with it. I don't know what he's going to do with it. I just know the guy says he's in need. The Bible says I'm supposed to minister to those in need. So I'm going to tell you what I do. This is between me and the Lord. I'm not telling you you have to do this. Because what happens is people hear this and they say, well, Pastor James said I need. I did not. We're recording this. I did not say that. What I feel led to do. Well, since you feel led to do, I must feel led to do. No. Some of you feel led to go do this. Some of you feel led to do that. I feel led. What we do is we carry in our car gift cards to uh, fast food restaurants. And so we carry the gift cards with us. So that way when we see somebody who says, well, work for food or eat food, we stop, we hand them a gift card to that fast food restaurant, and we try to hand them something spiritual along with it. We have a track of the New Testament. And I usually say this, I give this to you in the name and the love of Jesus. I usually ask them, what is your name? And I say, I will pray for you. Now that's a quick interaction because I got people behind me. But you know what? We were just in defiance yesterday. And there's a guy standing alongside. And we prayed before we left. We prayed as a family. Lord, give us an opportunity. We really want to minister to somebody. Because it's reaching a point when we leave the house as a family. Lord, we're not leaving to go get groceries. We're not leaving to get milk. We're not leaving to get shoes or back to school. And that stuff is so pointless in the whole scheme of heaven and hell. Who cares? 
We're leaving this house because we have to to do something in this world. But really, Lord, I'm just doing a missions trip to finance. That's what I'm really doing. And so we saw the guy standing there. And if you're like me, you can't find anything in your vehicle. So the first time we saw the guy standing there, hey, Dawn, can you get one of the gift cards? We couldn't find anything. So the next thing you know, we're circling and looping and finally found something and went up to him. And what a neat, hopefully, witness and opportunity is for the kid to hand him the gift card. One of my boys is handing up a New Testament. You've got to give him the New Testament. And so we hand him the gift card. We give this to him in the name of Jesus. We love it, Jesus. What's your name? His name is Brian. Brian will be praying for you. Here's this. He's got the New Testament. As we're driving away, he starts looking at the New Testament. And the boy's like, yeah, he's looking at it. <laughs> then he probably threw it down. I don't know. But the point is, that's what we do. I'm the type of person, if I see somebody standing alongside, and they're sitting there, and they got the bigger pan, and they wouldn't change, I'll probably give them change. I'll go to him and say, I give this to you in the name and love of Jesus. But they're just going to take that money and misuse it. I don't know what they're going to do with the money, but my intentions were good when I gave it to them. I don't know what they're going to do with it, but I know I gave it to them in a purity of heart that I hope you use this, and I said the name of Jesus. And if God opens the door, I will then take that door and keep talking to them more and more. Look here, it says in Proverbs 19, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. You're not giving to the poor. You're giving to the Lord. And the Lord says, I'll pay you back. The Lord says, I will pay you back. Let that sink in for a little bit. God says, I will pay you back. He says other places in the Bible that God is a debtor to no man. So anything you do in the name of Jesus to represent Christ in truth, God says, I keep track of that. And I will bless you and honor you and take care of you. What amazing thing that is of the last one. Whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. Proverbs 21, 13. See, these start all interacting together. Last week was be kind to strangers, because you may be entertaining an angel unaware. You never know who you're ministering to, but you have to be willing to minister to them. Now, does that mean you give to everyone who asks of you? Well, Luke, it says to give to everyone who asks of you. I share this story, though, to show the flip side. Bill and I were leaving the Atlanta Braves game years ago, and if you've ever been to a major league baseball game, I'm sure any major sport event, as you leave, there's just people lined up. Just dozens of them all lined up. And so they all have their sign, and they all have a sign that says, we'll work for food, or here's this, I'll have a job, etc. And so I always kept changing my pockets that way I could hand some out, etc. So, you know, we go, give it to them, and give it to them, oh, Jesus, give it to them, oh, Jesus. Guy had a sign, and the sign said something to the effect of, I'm not going to lie, he's going to buy beer. That's what the sign said. I did not feel loved to give that to him. I did not give to everyone who asks of me. Because that is something where I felt, no, I don't need to do that, and I don't feel the Lord was leading me to do that. So there may be times where you say, you know what, I feel loved. There may be times where you say you feel no. How are you supposed to know that? That is why it's so vital when you get up in the morning and you realize the day is not yours. The day is the Lord's. And Lord, what do you want me to do today? Because if that a brief moment and you have to make that quick snap decision, it's hard. you got kids talking at the radio going. You may be on the phone. you got this going on. That's how you get up in the morning. That's before you leave your house. You say, Lord, whoever I run into today, give me an opportunity to minister to them. And if you open the door, Lord, I want to take that. I want to open the door. I want to go with that. So maybe it is the daily interaction with the poor. Okay, maybe it's more than just that. 
Maybe it's supporting a local food pantry. Maybe it's going out and supporting missionaries. Maybe it's in, in supporting one of those uh, compassion children. You know, uh, when that Taylor up here at church has a real passion for that, and talk to her about that. Maybe it's something where you stop and you say, you know what, we're going to support a child. Dawn and I support a, a child overseas, and we picked a child that has the same date as our wedding anniversary. Just to say, Lord, we want to support this child. Now, we'll probably never meet this child in the flesh. But you know what? We pray for her, and we support it. So, you may not have the daily interaction, but you can prayerfully support those that do. If you look throughout the book of Acts and the book of Corinthians, Paul is constantly taking up collections to go help the poor. Just remember those last two verses. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. He will pay back what he has given. Whoever shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. It is really easy to become cynical and hard-hearted and to allow politics sometimes to jump into ministry. And really what we need to do is say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And you may stop out there just looking for a free meal. Don't you think when Jesus fed the 5,000 and 4,000 were people looking for a free meal? Lord, what can I do to represent you? Let it be spirit-led. It may not be a yes every time. It may be a no sometimes. But you have to be prayerfully ready. And I encourage you, keep stuff in your vehicle. You know, we still got two blessing bags back here in the back. And if you're not familiar with the blessing bags, I don't know if they're the male or female ones. But there's just hiking items in there. There's a New Testament in there. And we encourage people to put those in your, in your vehicle. So therefore, you do see somebody who says, I need help. You can give them something. You're giving them something spiritual, but you're also giving them needs that they can be met with. So some stuff to pray about. So I'm stop here real quick before we get to the next one. Any quick questions, comments about uh, what we talk about here tonight? The sick or the poor? Or you can even go back to the next last week of the strangers, widows, orphans, and prisoners. Just the specifics of ministry, anything along that type of line. Nope. Okay. What other specific things have God called us to do? Can you go to Matthew 6? Matthew 6. What we're doing this for, again, is remember, going back to our foundation... The idea of works, that we're called to do works, as it says, we're created to do works. We're created for that purpose. But so often we stop and say, I don't know what those works look like. That's why we're giving you specific groups of ministries that you can minister to, to say specifically, Lord, how can I minister to the widows, the orphans, the strangers, the prisoners, to the sick, to the poor? Make that part of your prayer list. Because those are the things that God God has specifically said it's important to do. What else has the Lord said it's important to do? Verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with the sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting. Surely I say to you, they have no reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret rewards you openly. Fasting. Fasting is something specifically the Lord asks us to do. Now, how does this look when it comes to ministry? Stay in the New Testament. Let's go two books to the right. Book of Luke, please. Luke chapter 2. How does fasting look like ministry? Luke chapter 2, verse 36. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phineal, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with the husband seven years from her virginity. This woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. 
Fasting is a ministry. It's a service. Now, anytime we talk about fasting, most of the time we're talking about personal fasting. I have a big decision coming up, so I decide to fast over a meal. I'm really hurting for my kids, my marriage, my wife, whatever, so I fast over a meal. And just a real quick teaching of fasting. Fasting is when you deny yourself the physical to focus on the spiritual. So therefore, if you're going to fast over lunch, instead of that time you take into preparing the meal, sitting down, eating the meal, cleaning up the meal, that same time you just stop and say, Lord, I'm going to let go of the physical so that way I can focus on the spiritual. And it's a powerful tool. In fact, it's a powerful tool that we do not use enough in any way whatsoever. Prayer and fasting does more than you can ever imagine. Now, please don't look at fasting as, well, God has to honor me. I mean, I love about a Big Mac today. He has to make a sacrifice. That's not what fasting is. Fasting is saying, Lord, I desire the spiritual so much that I want to let go of the physical to focus on the spiritual. It's not, Lord, you owe me because I did not eat today. That's not fasting. That my day is so busy, I choose to let go of food to spend time with you, Lord. Now, like I said, most of the time when we fast, we're fasting over things that pertain to us. A lot of times when I fast, I'm fasting before a big counseling session, maybe I'm doing some marriage counseling. It's like, okay, Lord, I'm going to fast before this, or maybe there's a big meeting coming up, etc. What I see here with Anna, though, is she's serving God with fastings and prayers. You know what that means? That means you can serve God by taking care of widows, orphans, prisoners, strangers, the poor, and the sick without ever leaving their house. So, your sister in Christ has a surgery coming up next week. It just doesn't work out to go to the hospital. It's just not practical with what you have going on. But you know that she's going to have surgery at 10 o'clock in the morning. So that day you get up and you spend time in fasting and prayer at breakfast for her. You just serve God. You just did a lot. You know what? It doesn't work out for you to go to help out at VBS. But you know we're doing VBS those five days from 9 to 11.30. So you know what you're going to do every morning? You're going to fast over breakfast and spend time in prayer for VBS. That's what you're going to do. you got a missionary friend, and you would really love to give them more money. You really would. You love the work they're doing. But you can't. It just doesn't work out this time. So you sell them. You know what? Every Monday I'm going to fast over lunch for you and just commit to prayer. I'm serving God by that is a tool that we don't utilize enough. Maybe you're going to fast every Sunday morning for breakfast for church. Maybe if we go up to Dearborn again, you're going to fast that day. Just give it over to the Lord. Because you're just going to be so committed to prayer for it. Maybe you can't help a garage sale giveaway, but you know what? I'm going to fast for you while we're going through it. Maybe I can't go serve at the prayer booth, but I'm going to fast for you. It's a powerful tool. It's a service. It's a ministry. And what we just read back here in Matthew is, you know what? Don't make a big deal out of it. Don't make a big deal out of it. Now, you can go up to the person and say, hey, listen, I can't make it to surgery next week, but please know I'm going to be in prayer and fasting for you. Just say that. That's enough. Hey, missionary, I appreciate what you're doing so much over there. I just want to show I'm going to be prayer and fasting for you on a regular basis. And I can't make the back-to-school giveaway for us. I'll be like, prayer, but I want to show I'm going to take some time to pray and fast for it. Just keep it simple. See, the problem with prayer and fasting is fasting sometimes becomes then this um, badge of honor. But we start saying it all the time. I decide. I'm always fasting for people. I'm fasting for them. I'm fasting for that. And that's when Jesus said, no, 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 no. This is really between you and me. And you know what? Dude, this is just between you and me. In fact, the other person may not even know about it. 
Now, right there, when I say that, you know what my flesh says? Why would I deny myself food and not even get a pat on the back from you? I want to tell you so that way you can appreciate me. They're not doing it for me. I'm not doing it for you. We're doing it for the Lord. So if the Lord lays it on your heart, then go ahead and do it. Does that mean you can't be open about it? No, I'm not saying you can't be open about it. Just check your heart, just check your motives before you start telling people. But the Lord may start laying on your heart somebody to fast for, a ministry to fast for, church function to fast for, and you may never tell anybody about it. And you may just be Anna, who just serves the Lord in fasting and prayer. And what a ministry that will be. The Lord promises you, promises you, your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. God says, I will take care of you. There is no sacrifice for the Lord that when it is done through a pure and spirit-led heart, that God does not notice. There's none. He will honor that, he will reward that, and he will say, I will bless you with that. And I tell you, it is so worth it. So absolutely worth it. So what we covered here tonight, ministering to the sick, ministering to the poor, and the, the, the service ministry of fasting. Add that to what we went through last week. Specific ministries you can pray about. We got widows, Orphans, strangers, prisoners, sick, poor, fasting. We're just going to keep building on this. I just ask you to prayerfully consider those things that are mentioned, and ask you to prayerfully consider how can I get involved with those things. So that way when it comes up and you say, you know what, I don't know where to serve. Hey, let's start with those specifics. Here are some specific ministries that the Lord has said it's important. The Lord has said it's important. And if God has called those out specifically, how much more should we value and honor those as well, too? Maybe I have any final questions or comments here about anything before we close with the word of prayer. All right. If you remember correctly, your homework from two weeks ago was Ephesians 2.10, that idea that you were created for good works, and then we talk about Titus 3.8, maintaining good works. Your homework from last week was love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's what we talked about last week. What I want you to focus on this week in prayer is what we read in James chapter 2. James chapter 2. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Remember, though, the context of that passage. The external works are fueled by the internal relationship with Jesus Christ. These are not works, once again, to save us. These are not works to make us look good. These are not works to pat ourselves on the back or anything like that. These are works that are so fueled by the Holy Spirit that when you are looking through the lens of life, everything becomes ministry. Everything has a purpose. Everything now is not just I have to. It's a daily interaction that can become a divine interaction. And when that happens it's like, wow, Lord, this is what it means to really be focusing on you and all that we say and all that we do. Alright, any final questions? Comments while I'm here before we close Alright, let's bring this into our lives. Would you guys see him? Lord, we want to take those passages that we've been praying about for the last few weeks and just do it. You've created us for good works. Reveal to us what those good works are. And we want to walk in it. Lord, we want to maintain those good works. We want to provoke one another, stir up one another to be encouraging each other in this relationship. We want to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we want to love our neighbors as ourselves. And Lord, tonight, we now want to take faith works and combine them and all that we say and do. Let the external be fueled by the internal. Thank you and we love you and we pray.
praise you. We do ask for your blessing upon the prayer group and those people that will go man it. Just, Lord, utilize that. Open up doors of ministry and opportunity. What a blessing that is. I pray for the prayer on Sunday when those New Testaments are handed out. That would just be the power of God's work being placed in people's hands for you, and Lord, whatever church we go to here on Sunday, help us to walk into that church with an eyes of ministry and say, who can I minister to for you? We thank you and we pray to your name. All right, you guys have a good week and God bless.